This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What is good, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. If you guys uh, don't know by now, my name is Shane Larson, host of the show. Almost going on six years now. In January, it'll be six years. And uh, just to give a shout out to everybody who's tuned in. If you don't know how this show works, the format is a weekly interview. I've been doing this since January 2017. I bring on a sports figure and we talk about their journey, what they're doing in the sports world, some of the lessons they may have learned throughout their journey and uh, you know, just learning from them. And I do this every Friday morning. We have a new episode that launches. So if you guys hit the subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you're listening on, you guys can catch every episode. You can go back and listen to some of the former episodes. We've had awesome guests. That's how we've gotten to 113 countries at the time of this recording. Um, and uh, we continue to grow. So it's all done. We're in 50 states, all 50 states in 113 countries. And it's because the listeners like yourselves. So if this is your first time listening, maybe you know our guest who's going to be on the show today and you wanted to listen to the interview because you know him. Well, if it's your first time listening and you want to listen to other interviews, just hit that subscribe button. That's all I ask. Maybe check it out uh, for the future and then the, the previous episodes as well. So introducing today's guest, he is the owner of Basics Basketball. And we're going to be talking to him about his basketball journey, his knowledge, and uh, everything in between, some of the life lessons that he's learned and some of the advice he'd give to the to the athletes out there. But he's been around the sport of basketball for a while. He's a trainer. He knows what he's doing. His name is Marcus Cody. And uh, we're excited to have Marcus. Thanks so much for joining the show, sir. Oh, well, I appreciate you having me on, Mr. Larson. Um, it's all not always nice to uh, talk basketball and just knowledge, man. Just knowledge. Absolutely. Always great to meet people. Heck yeah. I'm stoked to meet you, man. It's it's fun. Like I, I could already tell from your vibe when I, I got on a phone call prior to this recording, we're trying to figure out the settings for this. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a good time with this guy chatting it up. Like <laughs> just, just a good vibe. So if you guys are listening to this right now, obviously you are, if you're paying attention to this, take your notepads out on your mobile device and start getting ready to take some notes. I'm sure uh, Marcus himself is going to be uh, sharing some, some golden nuggets. So I want to rewind the clock with you, Marcus, real quick, before we ever had basics basketball, before you decided to get into the training realm of things, Talk to me about your sports background. Did you play basketball? And if so, where did you play? All right. Well, quick little story, I guess. Um, I'm originally from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, been out here in the Spokane area about 25 years now, though. Um, yeah, I played pretty high level, I guess. Um, went to a George Washington High School in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, graduated high school back in 1988. Long time ago. <laughs> year I was um, born. Let's go. <laughs> year you was born? All yes, right, man. Awesome on that. Well, um, I guess I get to kind of – I was on the number one team in the state as a junior. Um, I was the only junior that played. Um, I had transferred into that school from Waterloo, Iowa. Um, and, uh, you know, we were number one team. Uh, my coach, he was a senior guy. So the senior started. I come in about five minutes left in the first quarter, start second half, ended the game. So, you know, that was one of those things. Uh, senior year, I was kind of on my own. Had three guards that could do about one could pass, one could shoot, one could handle. Couldn't do it all at once. So I got the ball back in my hand a whole lot. Um, struggled that year. I mean, one like we were like 16 and five or something like that. But I still have the state record for three point percentage. I shot 58% as a three point shooter, three point Ooh. percentage my senior year in high school. All right. Uh, and then from there, I went on to Northern Illinois. Played for Jim Rosborough. Uh, Jim Rosborough was Lute Olson's longtime assistant. Um, and there was about a five-year period of time that he was on his own. And that's when I had played for him. Um, so I'm coming up on, let's see, that was 1988. This was 22. So what's this, 34 years? Yes, so sir. my very first game in college, six for six, three-pointers, 22 points for a first game as a freshman. Those still stand. I don't know if Northern Illinois has played yet this year, but I might be good for another year. Ooh. And then uh, from there, played in Brazil, Australia. Um, had a tryout with the Bulls back in 93. 
and uh, made it to the final cut when Vancouver first came in, but got beat out by Blue Edwards, who was a long time, you know, all-star with Milwaukee in the early 90s, Greg Anthony, and Byron Scott. So I ended up playing until, about played in the CBA. Um, My last year, I got traded three times in one month. I went from Fargo to Rapid City to the uh, Quad City Thunder and back to Fargo. And that was about time I needed to hang it up. So, (laughs) but, you know, as I always say, I got farther than a few. I mean, got farther than most, but not as far as a few. Oh, man. But that is so there's so many things to unbox here in your story. So this is I'm glad you shared that. I was taking notes myself right here as I was listening to you. First things first, I want to kind of unbox this for for some of the athletes that listen. I, I coach basketball at uh you know the high school level i coach club so we're, mm-hmm. we're a traveling team and out of idaho called idaho premier and i coached the seniors this last two years we were coaching the the seniors so um had a lot of unsigned seniors um coming into my club so they're fighting for junior college spots even just an offer somewhere so they, they, they're a little bit hungry but they're the ones that were kind of overlooked and you know they're they're a little bit hungry but the skill set's not quite to the top level yet you know and so we're working with that um Here's the situation. I want to I want to ask you played for a very good high school, obviously number 1 high school in the state at that time. Yeah, I want to ask you what high it was school like. coach was a Hall of Famer too. So I'm <laughs> sure it was pretty strange like the skill level there was insane. Um talk to us about what it was like playing at the high school level for a school that was that high up. That the the expectations were high. You consistently were winning. You had a winning culture, you had a winning coach. What were what were your trainings like? Did you have well, well, my junior year, I mean, we were loaded. I mean, so it's kind of one of situations when you got the squad that everybody's decent, everybody's real knowledgeable, then you kind of focus a little bit more on just the skill work, keeping them more, you know, keeping them advanced that way. Um, we didn't have to run a whole lot of X and O's. That was, that was pretty simple for all of us. We, uh, I mean, our leading score was only 15 points a game. And coming off the bench, I was fourth leading scorer at 11. I think our whole starting lineup was like 9 to 15. So everybody's used to sharing the ball. So there wasn't just one thing. And our coach just really said, if you want to make a difference, it's going to be on the defensive end. Did you get that? Uh Uh-oh. Okay. We glitched. Now we're good. Are you good? Can you hear me? Now I can hear you again. Okay. Cause yeah, my internet just keeps, we have too many people on the Wi-Fi, so we'll edit that out. Yeah. But I heard you. So you guys were dogs on the defensive side of the floor. Um, yeah, I wanted- we, uh, yeah, we let, we, we had like a 32 point differential. We lead score and leading in defense in the conference. So defensively, that's something that we try to preach to our players all the time. You guys had to get after it. What would what advice would you give to these kids these days? They want to all be flashy on the offensive side of the floor, but you were obviously a shooter. You could get it done shooting, but you also put the time in on the, the defensive side of the floor. What's the biggest piece of advice? If somebody wants to improve their defense, what do they need to start with? Because a lot of people hear it. A lot of kids hear that, like, I got to get better at defense. How do you do that? Where do you start to even get better with defense? Is it just effort? Get what better is- with defense? Get up in their butts, man-to-man. The only way you're going to get better in defense is by getting beat. Point blank. You got to get up in there and figure it out. Because if you set back and let them window shop, so to speak, you know, you're going to get tore up all day long. So, I mean, you got to get up in them. They coaches want to see that. Um, you know, they already college, – college already got their score for the most part. Unless you're coming in as a McDonald's All-American, you ain't expected to score. You got to find out your way to get onto the court. And that's hustling defense, you know. Uh, I wasn't that great of a defensive guy, head up, but I can give you some problems. Uh, what a lot of kids don't understand, you only got to kind of D up for about three seconds at a time, three to four seconds at a time, because, you know, one to two dribbles, one, two, three, boom, that ball's out of the hand, better be a shot to the hole or to somebody else, right? In college, in high school, you know, you got to get a contract before you can dance. 
So you don't have to worry about worry about anybody really breaking you down that way. You just got to be solid for about three seconds. And if your team's doing what they're supposed to do, you're all good. Ooh, I like that. Take notes of that, everybody. You get you got you get better by getting beat. You got to get up there and get ready, though. Everyone's. I think that's that's a very good point, um, Marcus. Because even myself as an athlete, I was always like, you know, I'd be within arm's length and stuff, but I was always scared to get right up on them because I knew like. If they made two moves, I would. I, they'd probably get past me. I put my defense at a liability. But like, so I, I, I love that you mentioned the term window shopping. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't let them window yeah. shop because that's what I let guys do sometimes. It's like I'd be off of my two feet with an arm's length reach or whatever, but it gives them space to cross and get get that first move, attack the front exactly. leg, and so forth. So I love exactly. That. You get a, you get up in them, and uh, you know you got your hand on the, the uh, following the ball. The other hand's digging a crossover. Dude, I love it. I love it. Now, the other things, there's a couple things I wanted to unpack out of that that first piece of information you gave us out of your playing career. You know, you mentioned you were a shooter. It's interesting. I thought, so it's funny you said that because in Idaho, I led our conference in three-point percentage my senior year, but I only shot 47%. I thought that was good. You're shooting <laughs> high 50s, dude. That's wild. And then you go to college and you set the record starting six for six from the three-point line, yeah. 22 points in your first game. Like, that's wild. So yeah. as a shooter. So led the nation only- in percentage for about three quarters of the season, too. That is great. And it's not like you weren't shooting either. Some people are like, oh, well, percentages are all just based on how many. You're getting some shots up, right? No, 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 no. Many, I mean, because because the three wasn't all of that back then. Ah, you know, it, it wasn't all of that. I mean, I, I, I was still trying to get to the whole finger roll on you, double clutch, all that stuff, right? But uh, the thing that I was taught, you know, you shoot when you're open and be ready to shoot. Now, think about so many times where a kid comes off, okay, boom. You know, they're thinking triple threat, not shoot, 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 but catch, pass, reverse the ball, right? But sometimes they catch it, they're wide open, and they're like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and shoot this. Brick. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, right? So that's where the patients come in, like, okay, pass this up. I know how they're guarding me off of this curl, so now I'm going to break into it nicely. Boom, practice jump shot. You're right in there. Because, I mean, my 58%, we played 21 games. I was 42 of 72. Oh, wow. That's it. That's it. Man, I averaged 21 a game in my senior year. You know, and um, probably would have been more if I didn't start out like a tortoise my senior year either. But it is what it is. <laughs> No, I um, love that though. That that that's great information because see, it's yeah. opposite of what I thought. I was like, well, maybe you were putting up a lot of volume. You were just efficient with what you were doing. You were ready to shoot when you got the ball, yeah. and you you took advantage of that. But you also had a well-rounded game. This is what this is why like it kind of gets me to my next point because you know you were able to you were able to play at the next level and even the highest level. Obviously, like you probably you would say that like oh well, I didn't make it long like in the nba or anything but you got a lot further than most people will ever understand and that's what i'm i actually want that story because it's yeah. huge. like you had the opportunity to play the highest level but you were a well-rounded player i love that you mentioned college like the teams they already have their shooters so you've got to be able to play defense but you've got to be able to shoot when you got when you get your opportunity so you were able to do it all when you made the transition from high school to college though at that level what was the biggest transition for you marcus if you can re- rewind the clock and say okay when i got to college what was the biggest transition becoming a college athlete compared to a high school athlete? Eh, lanes closed a lot quicker. Okay. I mean, uh, my, I kind of was blessed as far as high school. Uh, my older cousin uh, played football at Iowa in the mid eighties. And I basically, I was at the university of Iowa playing with BJ Armstrong, Roy Marble, uh, was, you know, and they were, you know, top five team in the nation during those years, 86, 88, 89. So, I mean, B.J. Armstrong's a huge, huge mentor of mine. And uh, so, I mean, I had a little slight advantage over a lot of guys to a point. Um, but um, I ran track uh, at a young age. Um, so, you know, I had a little bit more wind. Uh, cousins always get on me. I ran a 48-3 quarter mile as a freshman at 400 meter dash. I ran a 48-3. Oh. <laughs> um, break air, have every record here in Spokane at every school, pretty much. But, uh, you know, but basketball was my calling. And uh, that do it, Cousins wonder where I'd be. But 
it is what it is. And I wouldn't change it. No, that that's awesome, man. That's, but, you're wild you know, and fast. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was just embed a lot of knowledge. I get, I mean, like I said, I got to see, I got to go to the 92 final because of BJ Armstrong. So, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, you know, we was in, we was in shape. My, uh, my graduating class in Iowa, our all-star team, um, 10 and 11 went D1. And we're from BYU, Vanderbilt, Iowa, Iowa State. Um, yeah, and uh, we played against the Russian Junior National Team during wow. that time, our How senior year. Tell me about that. Uh, we were one of only two teams to beat them. Whoa. Russian Nationals, I mean, uh, let's see. They beat Stanley Roberts' team, beat Sean Kemp's team, um, Indiana, beat South Carolina beat Illinois, but I don't know. We did it, man. We had <laughs> guys in Iowa. I mean, all of us, we, we had played with or against each other for years, you know, yeah. all the way through. So we had a real good familiarity with each other and all of that. But the fun part with that getting, was getting ready for getting ready for that. Uh, we were playing, you know, college all-stars Old alumni all-stars, uh, Nebraska teams, Illinois team, playing international rules. Uh, we scored 163 points in a game. <laughs> it was crazy. But, you know, as far as that, I mean, every back then, wasn't so much on the highlights. or want to get that. It was just, I want that scholarship. Yeah. How am I going to get it? You know, it was like grades ain't doing all of that. Oh, how am I going to get it? Well, you better sacrifice, right? And really when it comes down to it, you kind of got to sacrifice. Well, you got to do it in two sections. You got that first four years, you know, uh, for, you know, high school. And uh, you got to be ready to go. And because once you step foot on there as a freshman, high school already already gone, <laughs> really, when it's there. But you can't get caught up with high school. You know, you get there. Um, girls, parties, this and that, you know, you got to sacrifice. You got to get rid of those things. Uh, not everybody has that opportunity. Nobody has that drive. Not all have it. Right. But I mean, if you could sacrifice that, that will quit four years, do everything you're doing right. You should be playing college ball somewhere. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, you handle your school and all of that and get your degree. You're at 22. You might not be playing ball anymore, but you are 22 with a degree and got all kinds of time after 22 to mess around and have fun. Oh, yeah. You know, but if you can, you can get that time frame, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, you guys, you guys seen Tyson Dagenhart. You guys will see some Dylan Darling, you know, coming up. Those two were already good, but wanted to go beyond. They weren't satisfied with like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm the best player here in Spokane, da-da-da-da-da. So what? Oh, well, you know. But that's usually mediocrity ends up taking place right there. If you think you're good enough, better than everybody else, well, shoot, you're losing to yourself. Man, you know? I, I hope everybody took note of that because uh, – and, and shout out Dagan Hart. He's, he's a Boise State – I'm a Boise State alum. I mean, that's where I reside is right here in the Treasure Valley of Idaho. So Dagan Hart's a stud. Out of Spokane, but um, sacrifice. I think uh, it's it's something that a lot of youth don't realize how important that is. And I love that mm -hmm. you just broke it down. I mean, you got a lot of time after 22. If you can just do the things right now, you should be able to have an opportunity. Now, I wanted to ask you about your your playing days professionally. You mentioned Brazil. So, Marcus, when I was um, 19, I served a church mission for two years down in Brazil. Actually, I lived down mm -hmm. down in Brazil. And what some people didn't realize, and myself included, because you always hear about soccer down in Brazil. Um, and a good friend of mine, Reggie Larry, who was a Boise State alum, he actually played down in Brazil for a short period of time as well, down in Sao Paulo for the Corinthians um, organization. But they have a lot of soccer. They have a lot of volleyball um, on both men's and women's. But people kind of overlook the basketball that's in Brazil. And I actually thought it was incredible. I'm like, dude, just because they they have a lot of – like the football is what brings in the money to that, that country, obviously. Soccer is like their biggest thing. But – basketball mm -hmm. i thought dude marcus i was like holy cow some of these dudes are just monstrous yeah. you know so talk yep, to me about I, uh, your experience there like i want to know if it was like that when you were there 
Well, it was, well, here's the story. I graduated May 15th, 1992. Got my uh, hand, my degree in hand at 11.30 a.m. I was on a plane at 1.30 p.m. to Brazil. Oh, wow. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> um, one of my assistants had got a job there and needed a guard, so I kind of got handed that one. So uh, now overseas, uh, basically corporations kind of own the companies. So I played for Rips of Pulp and Paper down there. Um, it was interesting. And I got to witness a Hall of Famer in person and probably the world's leading scorer, Oscar Schmidt. You guys, look that name up, Oscar Schmidt. He can go. And he was like 35, 36, something like that when I, when I, was Adam and 44 points like it was nothing. I mean, nothing. I mean, Hershey Hawkins donate me up before. Um, yeah, but yeah, there was nothing. There's levels to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's levels once you get there. And I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. That's, that's it's wild. crazy. But I mean, it, it was interesting just because of the different culture and all of that stuff, you know, kind of kept to myself for the most part, um, you know, and the magic thing just happened too. So, you know, kind of kept to myself so speak, yeah. as much as possible. <laughs> but uh, that it's, you know, I mean, a lot of guys go overseas and stuff, man, and the, the culture, the being away from everybody and stuff like that, it's. It can wear on you a little bit, but um, Brazil back then was kind of third world, man. You know, yeah. you had about, you know, you had about four blocks, four blocks of what civilization was that we consider. Yeah. And then you're in the, you know, you're in the metal shacks and all of that up after that, man. So there's What's limited the travel, limited, limited uh, uh, visiting. <laughs> yeah, limited at that time. leisure. Leisure wasn't a big thing for you. Uh, where? What city did you play in? What? What city? Oh, was I was that? in Rio. You were in Rio. Okay. Yeah. Depending on where you go in Brazil, I mean, even in 2008 when I was there, I was there from 2008 2010. I mean, I lived in a pretty decent area down in the south called Santa Catarina, which was the state that I lived in. And even then, yeah, it was similar to what you're saying. I mean, there's some good parts that are decent, and then you know, you go. A mile turn the the other direction. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, that goes back to that Bugs Bunny. Better not make that wrong turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> ah, true, though, man. But it's, it's cool. So I wanted to ask you that, Marcus. So, like, obviously playing there, you got to play against Oscar. So Oscar Schmidt. Um, and, and, and I'll uh, put a picture here of him in the, when I edit this video so people can see because that's pretty cool. I'd encourage everybody to go check him out because I want to study a little bit more about him too. But talking about some of the athletes there and whatnot, but were there any life lessons that you took from playing um, in a different country, whether it be Brazil or Australia, like before you came back to the States to play in the CBA? Well, uh, down there because it wasn't overall such a high level, I was pretty much kind of ahead of the game a little bit down there. Yeah. You know, when it was there, um, you know, and a lot of times people, oh, did you start? Did you do this? I said, no, I didn't start. You know, I came in and I was a shooter. I came in and shot my threes, right? And uh, one thing they don't understand, you know, 6'1", 6'2", point guard with more of a two-guard skill set, you know, and uh, at that level, you get picked on defensively a lot. Right. You know, mouse, I was mouse in the house, so to speak. Right. <laughs> so, you know, learned I got to be ready to come in because if I wasn't, you know, two or four, three or five, you know, if I didn't hit my, if I didn't hit within my first three shots, I might as well be sitting on the bench. And they don't understand that because of the defensive adjustment that everybody else has to make for you to be in the game. Right. So you got to come in and hit your shots. Um, so, I mean, I, or play 10, for 10, 15 minutes a game, stuff like that, you know, shot my shot. And when I made it, I made it, you know, um, had fun with it. The, it was just kind of the completely different culture shock that fast for me. You know, I mean, like I said, I'm leaving America and 
going straight to Brazil from graduating college. Didn't even get to check it. You know, <laughs> it was just gone. So, but it's just be ready, be be wary, you know, know a little bit about where you're going, you know, wherever you're going, do some advanced research. Don't just show up at a spot, you know, because, I mean, I was in Perth. I was in Perth, Australia. That was cool, you know. Um, uh, it was quick, but when you're at that, when you're kind of at that minor league level, yeah, it's cutthroat, man. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it's business. It's a you, business. Don't, you, don't, you don't get a lot of friends out of that. Totally. That's what I've heard, you know, and, and it's a different experience for a lot of people, but I do like that you shared that with, with everyone, you know, do some research. If you guys, hopefully you don't have to be in the same situation as Marcus, where you, you graduate two hours later, you're on a flight down to Brazil or something, you know, maybe you have a little bit of an opportunity to kind of check out the location prior to, to arriving, but culture shock is a big deal. So for the kids that might be going to play overseas, I got a lot of college athletes I've spoken to on here. If you end up going to play overseas, do a little research because the culture shock yeah. is a real deal and that affects your play. Like you're literally in a different country trying to figure out, it's not just playing basketball. You have to like live. There's different food, mm -hmm. there's different languages, there's different, there's, it's just a different culture. When I say culture, like you don't get to talk to your buddies about high school, like high school to them was a different thing. So you don't talk about the same things either. Like everybody has different upbringing, so it can right. mentally affect you. So I'm glad that you, uh, you shared that, but, you know, Mark, and, over, yeah. and overseas, their schools are different too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as basketball wise, you got to think PJ Carlissimo and all of those guys back in the 80s were going over and teaching that game to Europe. And they got they got schools that are straight academies, you know. It's yeah, six in the morning basketball, here's classes for two hours, here's some more basketball and all of that, you know. So one of the things as far as that you see now why so many of these uh, overseas players are coming in is because they have those basic skills from back in the eighties that everybody had. Uh, there's this uh, Jim Laranega quote. Uh, it was in NCA magazine about 10, so, 10 or so years ago. And one of the quote was, they said, what was once basic skills in the eighties is now advanced basketball theory, oh, which wow. is kind of sad. It is sad. If you man. tell somebody a V, what's a V cup, what's a duck in, huh, huh, you get that a lot. <laughs> That's so true, though, man. That's a great point, and like tying it all the way back to the days of PJ Carlissimo going over there, like that's why they've kind of ingrained that over there, and that's why the Europeans and just guys overseas are starting to, you know, they can compete because they can hang because they've been doing this for a long time. They got the, they got the skill. They don't yeah. need all the dancing. <laughs> I like it. They're they're efficient. They're effective. You know, Marcus, when you were playing, uh, I guess you had the opportunity with the Bulls. You you, you know, you're the early oh, '90s, man. Really. Well, I mean, you you had the opportunity to come up here, even in the CBA. So like the mid '90s, I remember the Idaho Stampede were formed, and that was part of the CBA. They they were then the NBA D League after that, and I don't know if they went to the G League when the G League started, but like you know, they they all the, the Stampede was a big deal here in Boise. We like to see a lot mm -hmm. of those players. Um, Randy Livingston was a player back then that I've actually had on my show, but Livingston was an amazing high school athlete and then, you know, had some injuries, but he still had his chance to play in the NBA, but then he was playing in the CBA with Stampede and then coach and so forth. And I love talking to him because the basketball back then, regardless of what level you're playing, it was just a little different. So I want to know growing up in that time, being around those professional athletes in the early to mid nineties, in your opinion, could they hang with the style of basketball that is today? That's the whole conversation. We got bigger, stronger, faster athletes now. The game's faster, so 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 people say. Anyways, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, man, errors. Uh, the errors are different. Um, they still do some. They still do some post up. I guess the three wasn't wasn't three. It was still the movement and all of that stuff. I mean, once it got to probably late 90s when they start going to all that ISO ball, yeah. you know, but if you, had to, if you had that guy in the post, it was it, you know. Um, see, because you, you got to think, you got to think, uh, 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 what's my boys from Indiana? Um, well, you know, because they would have had to deal with, uh, uh, God dang it, names are flipping me right now. Let's think all the power forwards back then, the Dell Davises, oh, you know, yeah, just those muscular rebound guys, right? Yeah. 
they'd probably be able to get up and down the court. Probably wouldn't shoot as well, but defensively, they'd probably be a little bit better. Um, but it's hard to say because, I mean, if somebody came in with a shack, the game would change again. The game would change again. Um, and right now, you're looking, you know, there's guys that could shoot it up. But, I mean, with the threes, if they're not that good. It's either feast or famine. Yep. Right. They either are going to hit seven straight threes and blow you out or they're going to miss seven straight threes and pitch a tent and say they can't do it. Uh, and I guess it's more or less the philosophy as far as what do you do best? Right. Right. You know, as far as a player, do you have some inside game? Do you have some outside game? It's just a mix. You got to do a little bit of everything. So, yeah. I mean, I come up with basics for the most part. It's like master what you do well and train for everything else. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you got to be ready. You can't just be a pick and pop, you know, post. You got to be able to go to the hole. You got a short, short roll, you know, you got to be able to put on the floor a little bit. Um, you know, what I'm seeing a lot now, because I do some officiating too, and just watching kids, the gun, shooting machines, they all right for certain things, but I see I see kids with narrow feet on their stances, hands out, you know, it's not a lot of movement. So it's like they catch the ball here right there, they're done. Yeah. You know, and I'm not really big on the one a hop hop stop, you know, so to speak. Unless I know I'm getting ready to get a kick out and I'm going to shoot right away. You know, that's the only time I'm on the hop. Other than that, always like one, two, one, two step. Yeah. Because if you're moving, if you're moving strong, you know, you always get, you always got your pivot foot. Because if you come through, you know, off a pin down and you act like you're turning on that, you know, one, two, you're going to lose a lot of guys that way. But if you come around for a hop, coming off a pin down and not going to shoot, you're passing the ball. You're not doing anything else. Yep. <laughs> you kind of lose yeah. your versatility there. And like when you come off the hop, it's the little intricacies of the game that you're explaining right there that I think speaks to your understanding. It speaks to how like you played at that level, by the way, like you can kind of tell the difference between somebody who understands the intricacies of the game and somebody who mm -hmm. might not. Um, you just being able to understand those things obviously explains why you were able to compete at the level you did for so long. I want to ask you about basics basketball. But the last part of this interview is really talking about what you've done and the training side of things, incorporating all this knowledge, the things that you're just sharing right there, incorporating that into the training field and trying to, you know, coach up these athletes um, and, and mm -hmm. incorporate that stuff. So talk to us about what made you want to start basics and, and, and kind of like build that brand and that, that business. Yeah. Well, basics, I mean, so in college, when they have the college camps and stuff like that yeah. and uh, the middle school kids come in, you know, and just seeing that excitement that kind of got my, you know, it had me flowing on that way earlier before, right? And then I'm up here going to a pickup game, you know, and some middle school kids are in a practice right before we play. And I'm just like, man, these guys ain't teaching these kids how to do stuff properly, right? And just kind of came along, you know, um, my one of my first trainees uh, was a girl named Angie Borkley. Um, she was the Washington State Player of the Year in 06 and 07 in the state of Washington. Um, went to Tennessee and got that national championship with uh, Candace Parker uh, in her first year. But that was like my first one that really – somebody that was already good but wanted to get better. Right. That, that kind of had me fueled on that. And then uh, – Picked up a couple kids here and there. It wasn't until about 2009, 2010 when people started like, hey, hey, Marcus this, Marcus that, right? So um, the University of High School up here um, had a group of kids, Jared Miller, Cameron Chase. So I ended up helping those guys become the first team in 26 years uh, at University of High School to even go to state. Oh, and wow. then – 
then three, then two more consecutive state trips with that school and the subsequent classes through there. Um, did that, had kids that were coming from other schools because my whole, my, my whole thing coming up was like, I don't care what AAU team you play for. I don't care what high school you play for. I'm trying to get you to college. I'm trying to get you better. And the better everybody gets around here, the better everybody's chances is. Because um, girls basketball up here has always, since I've been here, has been a hotbed. Yeah. There's, there's two or three D1 girls going out of here every year where it was up, well, let me see. So Anton, Anton Watson, probably the first D1 scholarship off the area in a while, in a while. Um, but, you know, up until and then last year, uh, two, Jay Stevens and uh, uh, Dylan at Washington State. So starting to, I mean, it's starting to pick up where the guys are going. They're being seen. And then plus, like I always said, um, Gonzaga has gotten better throughout the years. Yeah. More opportunities for those players to stake around, you know, after their career and stuff like that. And, you know, height's starting to come into this town now. <laughs> what you guys are, what you, I've seen a couple of your podcasts where, you know, you guys, you know, we got, you got six, four centers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're starting to get, we got a couple, two sophomores, we got a couple six ten sophomores, a couple six nine freshmen coming in. So, Spokane's starting to, starting to be it. Um, you know, but, the whole thing is just getting them better. And I think my little advantage stems back from quote from a long time ago that I had from a got from Adrian Branch, who played with Lynn Bias back in Maryland, I believe. But he said the great basketball players are anomalies. Something's wrong, something weird. Longer arms, longer hand, you know, LeBron built out from birth. You know, I mean, just something different, something odd than the cookie cutter. So and then when I was coming up, I'm seeing Ewing, Elijah Watts, Jordan, um, uh, Isaiah Detroit, Isaiah Thomas. And I used to just copy footwork. They yeah. did this. They did this. They did that. Okay. They move like this. They move like, man, my body don't move like that. So how can I make it mine? So I really look at the mechanics of a kid. I look at the mechanics, um, how they move. Um, you know, where's the ball coming from? How they hold the ball? Is it something I can change or is it something I just got to adjust for them to make? You know, like uh, say some kids got to, you know, they're off to the side or whatever, Yeah. you know, with their thing. Right. So it's always going to the right or to the left. So I would tell this kid, I was like, OK, so from how you shoot, how it comes off your hand, don't aim at the first loop aim at the loop to, you know, one back. If you're shooting to the right, you know, aim at the one to the left, one left of center, right? So your natural movement will get you center. Or even, you know, like on the free throw line, just move them on the nail. Either they're, in, you know, left foot to the inside or right foot to the inside of the nail, or they may be center of the nail or a little bit over. So you just find something that's going to be consistent so their stroke looks like it's straight instead yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> no this, you know. this, this is good information though this is why you're you're good at what you do it's it's interesting to see the evolution of athletes coming through spokane as well i mean like you, you like you said we, we've talked about it before here in idaho it's <laughs> you don't have a lot of big men um and that's what hinders some of the big men i mean we've got like blake buchanan up north in Coeur d'Alene. he's playing for lake city that, that guy will yep. go to virginia he's a stud um mm -hmm. The good thing is he plays for some good travel teams, so he gets to see some good competition. But in Idaho, it's not like he's going up against no. crazy big athletes. So, like, that can be a shell shock to him when he gets to the next yeah. level. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that's always been. I mean, I like Blake. Um, like Blake a lot. He's going to go play. He was one of my, <laughs> one of my good friends and ex-competitors. I played against Tony Bennett in high school and in college. So. Oh, wow. He's he's a good choice for them, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's um, goes back. Anytime somebody's like gifted at six eight, let's say six eight, can you know shoot a little bit, you know, but they're only used to being guarded by six four. 
yeah, they're going to look good. But what happens when you put like size on it? You know, usually nullifies it. And, and that's where Blake comes into problem. So watch over here. So there's uh, the Urban boys, Juju Irving over here and Ja'Cory Irving. Um, Juju Irving, 6'9", Ja'Cory 6'9". Um, Juju's, uh, I think, the prep report number one uh, player in Washington 2025 uh, coming up. But when the height is against height, You've seen him Blake struggle a little bit just because not being used to guarding the size. Yeah. Right. And uh, but he he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine in Tony's system and stuff like that. It defensively, because I mean Tony's defense, big time. I don't care how many points he scores or when they score, but Tony's been all about defense. Totally. For I all think the time. you're exactly right. Cause because Blake has this ability, he has a work ethic too. I mean, he comes from you know, a lineage of, of collegiate athletes. So like, he mm -hmm. knows what it's going to take to play at that level. He's one of those, but for a lot of, a lot of guys, they struggle to adapt to that. So, um, that's kind of the point, like, you know, they struggle to adapt to it when they get to that next level. Cause you had even mentioned it earlier in this interview, like for you, who was a, a stellar athlete speed, everything. And you even had advantages like at the college game, like you mentioned the, the lanes closed quicker, like little things like that. People just, they, they might struggle a little bit. And if they're not as athletic oh, yeah. as you were, it really struggles. You, you struggle mentally, but you know, what I wanted to ask you, Marcus, is like for all these athletes that you're coaching and, and I say training um, right now, what is you had talked about the, the female athlete and you had said, you know, somebody who wanted to learn and wanted to get better. I mean, what do you ask of your your athletes? Like, what's the biggest thing that they can do where you can say, OK, I can work with that. Like, what's the, the main asset, though, that you need from them so that you can be like, OK, I can work with you. I can get you. Is it effort? Is it desire? Is it skill? What is it that you're asking of those athletes to at least give you something of so that you can help them level up? Be dumb enough to listen. <laughs> I love it. Straight up, be dumb enough to listen. I mean, uh, I got lucky. Here, here's what they, because I'm not from Spokane, you know. Been here for a while. A lot of people know me, but um, my aunt back home was doing a remodeler and uh, sent me my trunk. My trunk had my scrapbook from high school and you know a couple games into college so i gotta show them that before they know who i am right and i go i got a division one scholarship out of iowa back when there was barely 230 d1 schools you know didn't have all the all the media and all of that stuff you know so i was like i made it i did this i went here just be dumb enough to listen for a minute and you could too, you know, don't, don't be in your head that, oh, I got this, I got this, or, you know, some kids, well, my body don't move like that. Well, do this, this, that. Oh, okay. That's why you've been missing because you're saying your body don't move like that, but make your body move that way. Find out if it can move that way first, because most kids don't even know how athletic they are. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just kind of. Just like doing a, you know, a, a punch, punch at lunge, you know, boom, and being able to lift up and land that right foot still at that same spot going forward, you know, instead of they'll punch on that lunge, they'll come back, but that second step down is a close step to them and they just stumble. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, like uh, Tyson, uh, Tyson's deal. You know, already great, already signed. You know, already signed was, you know, already reigning MVP. But he, for college, was like, okay, man, ever since you was the tallest person here, get the rebound, keep it up high, get it to the guard. So narrow, narrow, narrow. Wasn't able to get wide. And we worked on it, said, okay, you're going to have to learn how to move guys your size. This little jab ain't, ain't going to move them. So you got to get, you know, down and out, get long, have your balance, be able to move those guys and be able to get your balance back. So we got him on that. And there's a picture of his uh, player of the year um, picture where uh, Jaden Stevens is Gardner. Jaden Stevens, 6'6", six, six, or 6'7", six, 6'8", six, going, going to Oregon State. Yeah, but you just see that forty-five degree angle that we worked on getting low and long, 
you know, getting into the hips and under the armpits, so to speak. Uh, so it was everything that we had worked on uh, religiously during during COVID. Uh, that summer, I mean, we're six in the morning out at the elementary schools, you know, uh, junior high over here, elementary there outside. Didn't matter. We was, we was getting it in. Me and Dylan, too, getting it in at elementary school by his house. Uh, you know, so same with Tyson. Tyson was able to get longer and lower, get by folks a little bit quicker, balance coming back to a shot. And you guys all seen what he did last year. Totally. You know, because, you know, my thing for him, I was like, I'm getting you off the bench. <laughs> You're not going to go down there and just sit. So this is what we're going to do to get you prepared. So when time comes, you're going to be there. And I remember him talking to me after his, his uh, first two weeks down there. He was, he thought he'd be farther behind, so to speak. And he said, I'm yeah. about right there. And uh, he's already breaking Justinian and Jessett's, uh, you know, a little practice three-point records and stuff like that, already putting those things to shame. And, you know, when the opportunity came, he took it and, like I said, don't give it back. <laughs> and... And real proud of that kid. And then uh, got Dylan Darling, Washington State. Uh, he basically had the road runner. Everybody was scared to guard him because he was so fast, right? So everybody, you know, about two distance off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, to get around anybody, he had to get the road runner and try to get by. So our focus was on making defense move without you moving. You know, uh, so worked a lot on getting getting under your control. So like you, you launch dribble, boom, and getting that leg right up underneath you and be able to hold that spot, right? Where most kids, if they're in a lunge and you tell them to get square, they're leaning forward a little bit, yeah, right? They're off balance. So, yeah. so we really worked on 90 degrees, 90 degree uh, jabs. Uh, defense is guarding you at 45 degree angle normally. And you beat 45s by 90s, right? So you're opening up feet, opening up the outside feet, taking advantage uh, of the proper defense. Proper defense, your lead foot's supposed to be on top of their lead foot, your offensive lead foot, right? Yeah. That's where it's always supposed to be. So what do you got to attack? You got to attack the feet. So we really jabbing out with the ball, just – Staying put, being able to switch pivot feet in the same place, uh, you know, between the legs, bringing it back. And we really focus on between the legs, bringing it back and left foot, ball hits with right hand when left foot hits. Bam. So you're always there, always that timing, right? That way you can change pivot feet, son, you know, you know, real quick. Uh, and that kid – he went beyond what I thought he was going to do last year. That kid, wow. I mean, we, and that's another one of those kids that doesn't matter what time. Um, we got access to a gym, a uh, church gym here. Uh -huh. So me and him were at a, on a Monday night, midnight at Redeemer church in Spokane. He had a game the next night. You know, he was just asking as far as, Hey, I get some shots up. Playing against this and that, told him a few kind of tricks, what to do as far as a, up against a one-three-one. With a, you know, if you're a guard and the scorer playing up against a one-three-one zone, your first thing is try to get everybody else's shot. You know, you know everybody, everybody active. Make sure everybody gets a touch, a shot, so you can pay attention to how that one-three-one zone's reacting, right? And then you tear it up. So kind of funny thing the next day talked to one of my friends who's assistant coach where he was playing <laughs> I asked him what happened so I don't know man it was like first five minutes he was doing this and that then all of a sudden he tore it up I was like I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but he scored 35 points that next night that game and we were shooting at midnight you know and he had classes and stuff like that and it's just there's there's are certain guys that just want it beyond just want to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. You know, don't drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Cause that, that happens to so many kids. Oh man, you can do this, you can do that. Da 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 da. 
Okay. But what are you when you go to bed? Are you going to lie to yourself and say you already made it? Or are you going to get up and do something? Because most of these kids lie to themselves a lot of times, man. Totally. I see it all the time, yeah. actually. Um, I think it happens a lot more than, than we think. But uh, that is awesome information. It's cool to hear about those two ex- examples specifically. you know. And I love that you said you got to be dumb enough to listen. So here's my last question for you, Marcus. If people are around your area, whether it's Northern Idaho, it's over in Spokane, wherever it may be, if they want to take advantage of your services and maybe get in contact with you, what's the best way to do so? Man, basics basketball, Instagram, uh, basics by Cody. Um, yeah, do, or call me 509-655-2938. I ain't scared. <laughs> <laughs> I if you want to get better, if you want to get better and get to that, you know, get to that next level, you know, I have, I got a track record. I got receipts. <laughs> I got receipts. So, and uh, it's going to be fun coming down to your area on the 12th to uh, see my last two conference conference players of the year and state of Washington state players of the year battle. Shoot right away. It's crazy, <laughs> but I got to be down there to support both of those guys. They work out together. So it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm sure it's so awesome to see the fruits of your labor too. Just that, you know, you're working with these young athletes and to see them continue to move forward. But here, I'll put those things in the description of this podcast. If you guys want to get a hold of Marcus, um, I'm telling y'all, as soon as he was talking, I was like, I told you guys would like, like his vibe. He's, he's handing out his phone number telling you, dude, just get a hold of him. If, if you want to work, he'll work with you. So come over there and be dumb enough to listen, as he says, and uh, he'll be ready to work with you. So Marcus, yeah. I just want to say, and you guys watch out for those Lake city boys down there too. Ooh. We got them. Colton, the Colton and Reese are get hotter than fish grease, boy. I'm telling <laughs> you, they're supposed to shoot. <laughs> yeah, we're fully aware of that, man. We, we we love those guys up north, and uh, we have them winning the state championship, even though why he's going to have something to say about that again. So we'll see what happens. But, Marcus, I appreciate Lapaway, it. Lapaway's going to repeat, too. Yeah, Lapaway's amazing. Marcus, you're <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate you joining the show and uh, for, for sharing your knowledge with us. Th- thank you so much, sir. All right. Thanks a lot, man. And I'll probably see you down there. I hope you have the game, man. Absolutely, man. Just stay in touch. And for the rest of you guys out there listening, make sure you leave us a review and we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.